our whole model is predicated on this remote idea, which for podcasting is indigenous to it. But for audiobooks, people in their minds, they think they have to go to a studio. So this was kind of a big pivot for a lot of people. So what we do is we work with people on the acoustic environment that they're in in their home. We send them the link to the mic we like to recommend. Plug and play. We meet them. We help them configure with Squadcast. And, and you guys have done a great job of making that fairly DIY. But we walk them through that. We get the, the situation in their environment set up so that they sound good and they acoustically dry. And then uh, we record in a sequence of 90-minute sessions to get the entire book done. Welcome to Between Two Mics. I'm Zach. And I'm Rock. We're the co-founders of Squadcast.fm. The best way to record remote interviews in studio quality like this one. Here on Between Two Mics, we explore the challenges, opportunities, and new ideas with the people who are pushing the limits of what's possible in podcasting. David Wolf is our friend and longtime customer and producer on Squadcast.fm. For more than 32 years, David has been the creative director, music composer, and or producer of content for radio, TV, film, of course, podcasts, audiobooks, and multimedia, which is what we're going to be diving into in our conversation today. He created and hosted the Small Biz America podcast from 2005 to 2018, so in the OG category of podcaster creatives. David created the Audavita Studio to apply his experience and the talents and skills of his virtual creative team to help companies, publishers, entrepreneurs, influencers, and thought leaders grow their brands and businesses through podcasting, audiobooks, video, and internet radio. David Wolf, welcome to Between Two Mics. Zach Rock, thanks. Great to be with you. Really good to be here. And, uh, you know, I love working with you guys on your, with your platform. So uh, it's good to be here. It is. Long overdue, David. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And it was good to see you in uh, Orlando some months ago, just before all this craziness hit us, right? Yeah, yeah. Got got one uh, one or two good events in before uh, everything kind of locked down. And um, glad we got some time to talk about your your ideas for for how we can improve the the platform. You've been uh, been a really great uh, contributor with feedback and ideas, and been a long time. Uh, friend and customer, and you have uh, you have a pretty unique use case. Uh, of course, you do podcast production uh, for for professional podcasters and creatives, um, and I'm sure we could have a whole episode just on on that topic alone. Um, but the more interesting stuff to us because we're always looking for. We built Squadcast for podcasters, right? But you have some some other ways that you use the platform, um, and that's more so with uh, with audiobook production. Uh, so it's it's uh, really awesome to see um, see our platform being used in in different ways and uh, for different creative projects. So can you just uh, kind of uh, share some details about you know how many people you're working with at Audavita for uh, for production? Kind of a sense of scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can give you a little bit of a sense of where we started and where we, where we where we've been. Uh, he said uh, it scaled up pretty fast so far. 
uh, not unlike your story. Um, I'm a longtime music producer, so I, uh, until the age of 40, which is a, a few years ago, I uh, was writing stuff for radio, TV, film, big brands, commercials, did a feature, uh, animation, this and that. And so I had a, a long, a long background in being building studios, being in them. And, uh, long before the internet was a part of production and, and, and f- I'm aging myself, but right around the time MIDI was coming in, that's when I got in the music business. So, you know, we were still locking the picture using uh, three quarter inch tape and Simpty and, you know, it's been a long way. So, you know, now the ability to everything's so much more integrated now from a software perspective. So this has been a fascinating time. Uh, over the last 10 years, I circled back into this, what I like to call the uh, affectionately the spoken word content production space, which includes in my mind and always did include certainly the podcasting, which I was participating in early, fairly early around 2005. I had a show called Small Biz America. It was very broad stroke interview entrepreneurs and talk about problems and solving them. Uh, and stories, and um, it, it was early enough where I, you know, got to interview a lot of people, and did about 300 uh, or so um, episodes really early, and then uh, moved out of that and got more intrigued with the idea of building a business that helps other people do that. But it was always. Um, uh, recording is recording to me. So the platform that you guys built really, and instantly for me, suggested that. Um, although you were thinking of the podcast as your market, because we were tasked with needing to record authors reading their own books, um, typically um, nonfiction authors with business books or self-help or uh, books where it didn't require acting chops, but it was important for them from a branding and platform perspective that they be the ones delivering it that we have a platform that's interactive like this where we could deliver high quality audio that's locally generated and, and just like you do it. Um, and so uh, that was really the leg into it. So in our company at Autovita, we have a whole team. We have about 35 podcasts in production today. And that part of our business, frankly, is scaling very fast awesome. right now. Whereas I would say on a, we're sitting together in oct- early October of 2020, we're, we're doing a lot of work in the audiobook space and we're seeking more publishing partners to do, you know, as we scale that. But the, the uh, podcast side of the business has been screaming uh, since uh, COVID quite, quite well. Um, the audiobooks continue to go along. We've, we recorded about a hundred last year and uh, we're probably going to track something maybe a little bit less than that this year some of the work we do is with talent and casting and we'll go through acx or uh, you know outside of the author reading and this it's kind of a different model and in some cases we are using Squadcast to produce talent remotely that does come up but for the lion's share of what we're doing we're saying to our clients look you don't and this was way before covid uh our whole model is predicated on this remote idea, which for podcasting is indigenous to it. But for audiobooks, people in their minds, they think they have to go to a studio. Right. So this was kind of a big pivot for a lot of people. Oh, you mean I don't have to go to a studio? You mean I can get nearly, I mean, will it sound okay? I mean, you mean, and then, so what we do is we work with people on the acoustic environment that they're in, in their home. We send them the link to the mic we like to recommend. And that's been a moving target. So I'm not going to get in the weeds with that, but there are a lot of good mics for less than 200 hours that sound great. Plug and play. Um, we meet them, we help them configure with Squadcast, and, and you guys have done a great job of making that fairly DIY, but sometimes, you know, for the less technically inclined, they need a little help. So we walk them through that. We get the, the situation in their environment set up so that they sound good and they acoustically dry. And then uh, we record in 90-minute sessions, a sequence of 90-minute sessions to get the entire um, 
book done. And what drives both the time of a book and the economics in our world is our um, uh, price per word and, you know, the, the word count itself is how we dr- that's how we drive everything in our business on the audiobook side. So that's a, kind of a quick, quick few things there uh, around how we leverage your platform and what we're doing with it. Certainly a lot to chew on. And uh, that's really fascinating that from the early days, it sounded it sounded like r- remote was like a, a crucial part of the business model for Autovita. Well, w- why was that? Like, where did that come from? And it sounds like there was a certain buy-in process that needed to happen. And how was that like getting these different people who are used to working a completely different way? And like you said, this was before COVID. So there wasn't that necessity like we all have now where we don't even have that choice. Um, yeah, it wasn't like a pivot where we're like solving this problem where you can't go to a studio. No, we were, I always just felt like this was so elegantly simple and convenient. And because of this technology that you've implemented, it, it made it just a no brainer for us because why would you go and pay for the, by the hour for a big fancy studio when it's really voice to mic and if you, you don't need a lot of fancy bells and whistles. Um, so I, I, I really created a business that was completely virtual. And so the recording's one segment of that virtuality, if you will. The the other side of the virtuality is my team of producers that do the post-production. So, and you guys know how this works, and it's the same for podcasting. We upload the, the, uh, the, the audio after we're done with a particular session, and then our editors are pulling it down systematically and, re- and editing the book and then ult- ultimately mastering it for uh, um, audiobook compliance in the tail of, of the sessions. And then we have, a, you know, so that's, so I always felt like this modular, modular balance sheet light thing was essential to making this business nimble and scalable without having to infuse a lot of investor capital because uh, we're, we're using the gig economy uh, along with a, a very light virtual platform that you've created. And, um, and it works really well for authors that even before COVID, as we said, they didn't, they don't have to travel. They don't have to think in terms of sitting in a studio for four to eight hours at a time. It's like 90 minutes and then 90 minutes and then 90 minutes, flexible scheduling, um, across the calendar. Some do it in three days, you know, in a week and others spread it out a little bit more, but, um, by dividing it into sections, you don't have that fatigue from a long recording session. So there's some benefits. There's sort of the side benefit of being remote. Um, we've even done some multi-voice uh, recording uh, using your platform, of course. Where I mean, it's indigenous to the podcast thing where you got maybe more than one guest on a show, but we've had a couple of, of cases where we had multiple actors plus a narrator and they needed to interact. So we're doing this synchronous recording uh, with them, multi-tracking, and then, you know, doing the editing and mastering outside of, um, you know, the squad guest environment. So, That's so I hope cool. that answered your question. But from a business, the other piece of it, Rock, that you asked, was I'm a guy that built big, expensive studios for a period of time. And this was a nice relief not to have to have all this capital tied up in equipment, you know, and, and real estate. That's so true. And, and such a cool way that you're using it. Um, I'm really, you know, glad to hear it. I, I've, I've, share, you know, you've shared with this, uh, with me in the past, but, um, just kind of, you know, hearing it again is, is always really, um, really cool. I, I didn't know about the, the multi-voice stuff. That was always something that struck me as unusual, uh, within audiobooks. It makes perfect sense because of the duration of recording time. Um, but you, you have like, you know, you have a male reader a lot of the times, like uh, doing voices for for female characters, and uh, 
not to make it binary, but you know, you have, yeah, right, you have kind of right. one option that's doing the voices for all the characters. And even if they're aliens yeah. or whatever it is, like you, you have a, <laughs> exactly. I love sci-fi. Right. Um, pick your, yeah, pick your flavor. I remember that about you. You know, it's, it's true. No, you do. And then look, it, um, there's two, a couple different arguments. First of all, as a production company, as soon as you get into multi-voice, it does get, it drives everything exponentially, the expense, the complexity of production. And, uh, I, I, find myself discouraging uh, our clients from doing that. That said, there is this appeal about um, theater of the mind, radio theater type of approach to these products. Um, So there's arguments both directions. One reader, it's a focused listening experience. They're just modifying their voice slightly for the different characters. It's like, you know, mom reading you a story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas, you know, this other thing, it's much more elaborate and impressive on a certain way, but it's very complicated to do it. Um, And so, you know. Uh, so I could argue either respect side. to anybody doing, uh, doing, you know, uh, digital storytelling. I know, um, I know Ariel, our community manager is, is, uh, is learning that from, uh, from a school program right now yep. and really, really awesome. But yeah, respect to those individuals and yourself who do post-production on, on those kinds of sessions, because it, it's, um, it's a lot. And just to kind of walk through real quick, um, you are also, or somebody from your team is also an active participant in these recording sessions. Yes. Uh, which is, which is kind of, uh, I don't think everybody really thinks of Squadcast as using it in that way, but I know our advisor, founding advisor, Harry Duran does that with clients from time to time mm-hmm. where he'll be on a session with them as an active participant and re- therefore also being recorded. But he just, at the end of the production, just ditches his audio yeah. and you're left with your, your client's uh, yeah. recordings yeah. Um, because of the multi-track nature and all that. So yeah. can you just kind of real quick walk us through yeah, that? Yeah, like yeah. You, yeah, you're on these sessions and working with them as like a director, it sounds like. Sure. So a lot of, yeah, exactly. So a lot of these, uh, a lot of the authors, you know, we're working with a wide variety or a wide spectrum of c- capacity to read, right? And perform. Some of them are professional speakers. They're NSA people that go out in front of rooms and they do that. And that's very different than... So Talking into a microphone very intimately, like we're used to in podcasting or or in the studio environment. So we have producers signed to each of our clients who are authors, and they're literally coaching them through. And production, for those of you, you know, podcasts can be kind of fluid, and you're not really so concerned about it being clean. And I don't mean clean language wise, but clean in terms of the the fluidity of the session. But but with with audiobooks and the requirements, they have you're really you're reading and performing a manuscript, and you're ending up with a very clean. Um, a product clean in that, you know, the outtakes are removed. There's no stumbling. There's no re- retakes. None of that is acceptable in the audiobook listening environment. So we're tasked with getting the best um, performance or series of takes out of an author who may or may not be experienced on mic and then stitching that performance together so that it's seamless and then mastering it to get the noise floor into um, compliance with ACX and the other uh, distributors, uh, the peak levels, RMS, some of these technical in the weeds kinds of audio file terms that we need to to do in the mastering process, which aren't a part of podcast requirements, but um, they are in in the audio book. So there's this, this, but, but you're asking about the production process. What you've created is basically everyone's in their own sound booth. And as a producer, you're in your own booth as well. So it just takes what we had in a studio, the isolation, and it just it it, it um, geographically separates us more, but it's all synchronous and it's all beautiful. So yeah, as you said, we ditched the uh, producer audio. 
actually there have been times where I'll save the producer audio in sync mm-hmm. uh, in a separate editing platform. And uh, for example, for slates, right? So you may need to slate something um, uh, for the editor. So I'll unmute myself. I'll uh, say something and then I'll mute myself during the recording and then I'll, I'll actually, uh, use that for production so that the production, so the producer can communicate with the editor directly. So there's different kind of techniques and ways to kind of work around the system and work with your system, uh, maybe better said so that, um, our editors are getting the information they need when they're in post. We're always following along with a PDF, uh, annotated PDF. Uh, we use, uh, when I think it's called good reader or something like that. And, uh, and you know, you, you read line and oh, use this take, take three, this one here, forget this. We move this over here so that the editor can follow along with the PDF and, and know what's going on with the sessions. So, so I agree with you, David, that you're in the spoken word content creation business, but you, you know, podcasting and audiobooks, they do seem to me, uh, at least as an outsider to the, the audiobook world, uh, other than a listener, big fan of listening to audiobooks, but I have no idea what it's like to be a, a participant in on the business and production side of things. Uh, is it, yeah. is it a different world? What's it like having a business in, in each of those worlds? Are there enough similarities where it, it feels like you're running one? Well, that's, that's a really interesting question. So the, the recording side of it is fairly similar, except as you know, we know the podcast from a performance perspective is much more fluid and often conversational and you're dealing with interviews and spontaneity. Whereas the audiobook is a much more controlled kind of performance capture thing. And our producers, you know, we're just trying to get the best performance out of these authors and get them stitched into a performance that's, that's deliverable. Um, as a business model, it's beautiful in a way. And I sort of tripped over this, but the recording and production is recording and production if you're an audio guy. So, so in a way, um, we have a set of engineers and audio editors that uh, sort of specialize on the audiobook side and they're not really doing much on the podcast side. And then Sean on the other side of the business, that's Mark Shipman and his team. And on the other side of the business, we've got Sean who's doing um, all the podcast sessions when we're recording with them. Uh, and, um, and the rhythm of that is, you know, it's every week, it's every alternating week, right? So there's an, uh, the cash flow moves differently as a business person. I mean, because the, the audiobooks are kind of once and done and they're bigger and, and the, the podcasts are like, you know, there's a setup front end fee in our world. And then every month we're billing in the rears, right? As we do production. So the rhythms of those are very different. The podcast is a little more churning along endlessly for as long as they're with us. And audiobooks is a project, you know, and, and then it's in and it's out. What we're looking to do now, and we're succeeding at this, thanks to LinkedIn and some other channels we're, 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 that we're leveraging, is forming relationships with um, uh, micro, mid, or small publishers that have multiple authors that they're working with, and they just need to adjunct their own team. They don't know about audio. It's very specialized, so we become, in effect, a white label partner for them or a referral partner. And so, uh, you know, I'll get on the call with the client, I'll get them comfortable with the process, and then we'll go from there. So. That's, that's really great to hear. And, um, that, that it is manageable under, under one, you know, business umbrella. Um, and it, I don't know about the authors that you work with, but you tell me how normal this is. Uh, when I, uh, published my book and was kind of going through the finalizing process with my publisher, you know, they brought up this, uh, this kind of, you know, the rights to the audio book question and, you know, uh, 
they essentially were like, um, if you want that, we can pay you a little bit less and you, but you have the flexibility to publish that, or we can work with you in the future, but we're not going to do that unless your sales volume is like over some threshold that they just kind of made up. And, uh, I, I chose to keep right. the rights. Like how, how do you think authors think, uh, about the, the rights to their, their audio books? Cause I think it's oftentimes a bit of an afterthought and, and, I don't, you know, I don't know which market is bigger if it, that depends on category or, uh, cause I know audiobooks have been exploding. So at some point it should be kind of a yeah. figure ground reversal with audiobooks and like physical books, right? Yeah. No, no, well, they are growing, they're outpacing ebooks in terms of market, you know, growth. Interesting. Uh, and I think the numbers have come in around 27% a year over year since 2015. So it's exploding. Awesome. Um, the rights holder stuff, you know, again, we're not a publisher. We're, we we're work for hire production company. And, and I have contemplated getting involved with the royalties and actually optioning or, you know, buying the rights or from authors or doing those sorts of deals. And we, I think that the, so many of, um, I, I think there's just so much involved in, 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 um, managing that and distributing checks and right. all of that to share rights with authors. That's, that's a difficult one, but um, I tend to think of like the IP is owned by the author in almost every case I've encountered unless they mm. sell it. But the rights holder is maybe what you're pointing to where like if we have a publisher we're working with and or we have a self-published author, we'll ask them the question, are you the rights holder? And what we'll do is we'll we're, in that instance, we'll produce the product and then we'll help them. And this is part of our service, by the way. We help them get it set up on if it's HCX for Audible, Amazon and iTunes, we'll do that with them. And then if they want to add another 30 or 35 or so platforms out there that are kind of out the tail, public libraries, university libraries, those sorts right. of things, will help them get that set up as well. But they're getting all the royalties that's uh, flowing all to them. And one thing that's sort of not so eh, sort of unpleasant to deliver the news to, um, uh, well, certainly in the Amazon ecosystem, ACX, Amazon, Audible, and iTunes, is that Audible actually sets the pricing based on the running time of a mm. book, an estimated running time. And even then, they publish that information. It's easily discoverable with a Google search. But even then, they don't guarantee that they're going to pay you that. But uh, they'll set the price. And then if you're not sharing the royalties with a narrator, which is part of the business mm. we do, um, uh, and they're the narrator, then 40% of sales, if they're doing an exclusive with ACX, will flow to them. Uh, or they can do a non-exclusive, and then they can get on with uh, with Authors Republic and get those other 35 or so uh, channels. Or they can sign up with uh, vo um, uh, uh, Find Away Voices, which has a similar model where they, they're sort of a throughput to these other uh, some of them are in, the, in Europe and other places. Um, many of them are in, are in the States and they just add sort of incrementally add more distribution, but they've got to do a non-exclusive with ACX to, in order to mm. do that. Um, so this distribution thing, we do consult and advise and a lot of our clients ask us because they don't know where, how do I sell this? Right. Where do I sell it? We even have a partner in, uh, in Scotland who developed a platform that enables you to simply provide a link or a linked graphic from your website or wherever and sell it direct. Oh, okay. And in most cases, it's an 80-20 deal in favor of the author. So you're making a lot more money there, but you don't have the benefit of the ambient traffic at Amazon. So, you know, it's give and take on all these yeah. things. But as far as the rights go, um, 
Uh, there's the rights holder of the distribution and then the IP. The way I've experienced this is usually the author always maintains the copyright of their work, but the rights to sell it is a separate right. matter. And I don't know if I got to your question. There, I think but- so. And I've noticed, uh, maybe you could shed some light on this, but I've noticed uh, an increase in authors reading their own material. Like what percentage, have you mm-hmm. noticed that increasing? Or maybe that's just in my mind with the kind of books I'm well, reading. Well, we, we love that business because that's it's a higher revenue model for, it's a, it's a better, um, margin for us when we do the full production and we're controlling it. Um, hiring talent is a, is a wonderful part of our business and we like enjoy a narrator? it. narrator? Uh, yeah, narrators that are actors mm. that perform nonfiction. Right. But I think that because of the, the podcasts have made the idea that you just put forth, the, the I call it the voice brand. The, mm. the narrator is the voice of their brand. It's They're the connectivity to market. And so what we like to say to our prospects and when we're talking to an author about this is, we like the idea of you doing your own narration because you are the connectivity to market. When you appear on other people's podcasts as a guest, they're hearing your voice. It's familiar. And that just helps them build platform and authority online. So we recommend it when you can afford doing it. And speaking of that, I know we got to let you run, David, but uh, if anyone who's listening and maybe they think they could use your help as far as producing the audiobook or or the podcasts their podcast uh where can they f- find you and learn more about what you and your team are doing at Audavita Thanks so much Rock uh com is probably the best way to get us a u d i v i t a.com it's like Audi the car Avita it means uh, the sound of life so, uh, and just look us up there. There's a contact us page. You can also send me a direct email at D Wolf. So it's D W O L F like the animal. Uh, ooh. Uh, that was my, <clears throat> you're an audiobook animal. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm an audiobook animal. Yeah. Uh, D Wolf at autovita.com. Easy. That's awesome. Thanks we'll make sure to put that in the show notes and, uh, yeah, uh, thank you for your time, David. It's so great to talk to you and long overdue. And I think, uh, next time we need to give ourselves a little bit more time to deep dig, dig even deeper into uh, your world here. I'd love to do that. Thanks so much guys. Really appreciate thank you. you. All right, thank bye-bye. you, David. All right, Zach, we just wrapped our episode with, uh, David Wolf from Adavita. What do you, what did you think about that? Well, he's a great friend and given us a lot of feedback, uh, and was, using Squadcast really early on for something that it wasn't necessarily designed to do. So uh, the fact that he's kind of out here on the edges, um, bridging the gap between producing and, you know, creating really engaging podcasts and audiobooks uh, is a perfect, perfect uh, guest for our show because we're talking to people who are defining this new medium and really, uh, really innovating in different ways. So, uh, so, it's great to have an old friend and a contributor to making Squadcast better, really share how they're innovating within within the space. And as a lover of audiobooks, it also uh, is a topic that um, that I'm pretty interested in personally. So what, what were your thoughts uh, on our conversation with him? Yeah, I thought it was fascinating. And that's why I, my first question was around why did he see his business needing to have a remote uh, component to it. And, and, you know, obviously that's something that's near and dear to our heart. And so it was really interesting talking to someone that separately saw the world going in a direction the same as us. And so pr- pretty cool to kind of unpack that with him. And like, like you said, he's been a customer of ours for a while and we've had several discussions with him, but I think it's something so unique and special about when you're recording it, 
and having a conversation that's going to be later publicly available. I felt like we learned so much more about David and his business and just more the, the, how he sees the audio book and and podcasting business. So it was really, really fun for, for me. Yeah. uh, Same, same here. Um, Maybe just waited a little bit too long to have the conversation um, and definitely have more questions for him. But, uh, but, you know, seeing that kind of, uh, I think a lot of people see, podcasts and audiobooks as different, different, uh, in lots of ways. And, and they certainly are, but they're kind of, you know, on the spectrum of the same kind of content and they, you have a lot of authors, uh, gaining readership and, 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 you know, doing marketing for their books, uh, coming out through being guests on podcasts. And then you also have it kind of in the reverse, uh, podcasters creating, creating audiobooks and really, you know, audio first content. Uh, so that line, uh, has been getting, I'd say blurrier and blurrier as, uh, you know, Audible has created like original podcasts and, um, it's just such an exciting space, like podcasting on its own, but then you add in, you know, audiobooks and how these things fit together, both from a business perspective and from a content production. And like you said, with David, he's remote and remote first. So, uh, you know, didn't get, didn't get blindsided or have to like pivot his business during, during shelter in place. Like he was already set up to do that. So I think, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely doing things in a unique way. And, uh, I think seeing, seeing what's coming in the future, uh, early today. All right. Well, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this one as much as we did. Uh, check back for next week. We'll have a founders episode where Zach and I will be talking about podcasting. So thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. This has been another episode of between two mics with Zach and rock from Squadcast. The best way to record remote podcast interviews like today's in studio quality. Visit bit.ly slash squadpod to check out our resources page where you can download your free remote interview checklist.